Welcome to the Prophecy Club. I've got Bree Keaton on the phone with me today. She's going to be bringing us an update on her objective to win pygmies to Jesus. In case you don't know Dr. Bree Keaton, she holds two doctorates. She's prayer walked in 50 countries spanning six continents, rescued and led over 75,000 pygmies to Jesus. How'd you like to have that many souls uh, notched out in your Bible when you report to Jesus? That'd be good. Author of nine books and 10 DVDs. So, Bree, welcome back to the Prophecy Club. Great to be here. Thanks. All right. So, first of all, tell us how a white woman with blonde hair and very fair skin ever got sent to the deepest, darkest Congo to rescue pygmies. Well, it was a a wonderful time. Um, I was sitting praying, and the Lord spoke one word to me. Uh, This has been nine and a half years ago now, and he just said, pygmies. So I go, pygmies? Oh, I love pygmies. Oh, my goodness. And I started looking into it. And uh, at that time, uh, I was working in the deep Amazon rainforest, reaching unreached Indians down in the down there, and just you know that was really a, a wonderful time. I loved it, and so I had no intention or idea of going anywhere else when the Lord said pygmies. So I looked into that, and I found out the pygmies the, were really in trouble in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Now, that's a huge country in the very center of Africa that used to be Zaire. Now it's the DRC. So I looked into that. I thought, oh, my. And, you know, then, then there were reports, oh, don't go there. It's the most dangerous country in the world. But I didn't know uh, or understand why it was dangerous. I just knew God said pygmy. So two weeks later, he spoke to me again in an audible voice, go to the pygmies, four words. So I went and I raised some money, and there were people that said to me, oh, you can't go there. Nobody's ever gone in the deep rainforest of the Congo and come out alive. You know, they'll just kill you. You can't go. So I just stood up real straight, and I said, well, if God is for me, who can be against me? And so they just backed off. These were actual three Congolese pastors that spoke this to me. So I thought, well, they haven't heard from God, but I have, so I'm just going to go. So then I packed. I went to the Congo. I gathered uh, seven other people to go with me that I knew from other missions in Africa. And they, oh, sure, we'll go with you. So there were seven of us. And we crossed the border. We tried to cross the border about quarter to six at night. And there were four men standing there with machine guns. And uh, they started shooting at us with machine guns. The glory of God came down upon me as the rest of the team ran away. I stood my ground. And all the bullets fell in the dirt at my feet because God just supernatural protected me. And so they uh, ran out of bullets, led us in the country. <laughs> and the next day, we went to our very first group of precious little pygmies. And my scouts had found them. There were about 200 that day. And uh, and so I got them all to sit down, which is no small thing. And in that culture, everyone must stand or everyone must sit. But I got them all to sit, and then I began to tell them how much I loved them. And they just burst into tears because pygmies are the most hated people on planet Earth. Africans despise them. They hate them. They think of them as animals. And there's a reason for that, uh, because pygmies do live in trees, and they're mostly naked. But they're absolutely wonderful little people. 
So I began to tell them, no, I love you, but my love is nothing compared to the love of the God I serve. And I presented the gospel message of his love and how his son died and rose from the dead and was praying from that for them from heaven now and, and how he died to cover their sins and, and with his blood. And they began to weep and they said, God loves us. And they're just crying. And I said, yes, he loves them. You, he loves you. And so I led them all to the Lord. We just had a wonderful time. Wow. So I came home from that trip and I said to Dylan, my son, let's go back to the Amazon where we belong. And then God spoke to me in an audible voice for the third time. And he said, go rescue pygmies. That was nine years ago. And uh, in all that time, when we've been able to rescue over 75,000 pygmies from the hands of the rebels who kill and eat them. And there are 12 armies now fighting in that Congo, nine jihadist armies, two Congolese armies, and the UN. And, and so they despicably use and eat the pygmies and destroy their lives. So uh, I've just worked very hard in very dangerous circumstances to get them and take them out of the deep jungle, buy land, build them villages, and teach them to plant and harvest because they're hunter-gatherers. They know nothing of that. We've seen a tremendous number of dead raisings, miracles, all kinds of signs and wonders. Wow, what a great time we've had, Stan. I remember one of the stories you told us about is how they're actually monogamous. Tell us about their marriage customs. Yes, uh, as I've worked with them over time, every single tribe had a had distinct characteristics, and that was that when the little girl um, gets married at about 12, uh, she and her husband, they will never divorce. There's no such thing as divorce. There's no such thing as homosexuality in the tribes. Uh, they, they live uh, to about approximately 35 years old, but they'll have maybe 10 children in that time. Six out of 10 will die before they're 10 years old because of disease and mosquitoes and rebels and Snakes. predators and so on. But, you know, they marry for life. So they have some wonderful ideals there. Okay, now you take the gospel to them in the form of a proclaimer? Well, yes, we we, we stay in there. Once we move them and build the village, we keep an eye on them. I have scouts and pastors that I hire and place in there. We have about 200 people that live there and work for me to uh, keep the pygmies in a discipled state. We don't just win them to the Lord and drop them. We uh, we take care of them, protect them, uh, disciple them all the time. And there's a little instrument called a proclaimer. It's seven pounds, solar-powered, with the New Testament in a language they can understand. There are 450 dialects and three or four major languages in the Congo. So we have proclaimers so that they can hear the gospel around the campfire every night. So they're being discipled at all times. Okay, and so what is happening as a result of them learning about Jesus? Well, I, I think so many remarkable things. One thing, uh, as we disciple them, show them how to heal the sick, show them how to raise the dead, because we do it to demonstrate. And and all these things they receive immediately. They, they have no doubt and unbelief. They're very open. So, uh, oh, yes, they absolutely believe. And so... Uh, they begin to do the work of the ministry 
that they see us doing and they know, okay, we can do this, we can do this. And so uh, we have marvelous dead raising stories and healings and, and miracles and hundredfold harvests. Oh, my goodness, so many miracles in the Congo. So when you get to heaven, do you think your 75,000 pygmy souls aren't going to count as much as someone's 75,000 white American souls? Or do you think they're all the same? Oh, my goodness. You know, in God's eyes, see, this is the thing. Nobody really would go to the pygmies when I first started going because to Africans, they're nothing more than animals. They think of them the way you would a rodent in your house. They hate them. And it's, there's a lot of tribalism in Africa, so pygmies obviously aren't in anybody's tribe, so they hate them for that alone. And they're different. They're isolated. They're very short. They're very small. They're naked. Africans just hate all that. So they truly hate pygmies. And so, uh, the Africans that I hire have to say that they will, they're ready to die for the pygmies, that they will love the pygmies even unto death. And so when they say that, I hire them. Well, you didn't answer my question, though. In other words, are those pygmy souls just as valuable as any other pygmy or any other souls? Of course, God loves them. (laughs) And, and, you know, they they pray for us, Stan. Wow. Those pygmies, I didn't tell them to do it. They just know that there are wonderful Americans that have fallen in love with the little pygmies from my presentations, my stories, and my DVD I made with you and the book I wrote, Pygmies. And they read these things, and they fall in love with these precious little people, and they want to support them. Okay, so you get them all to sit down. They all receive Jesus. And then you get the proclaiming. So they're learning the word, but you've also got to bring them into the society. Tell us about that. Well, this is the reason that I moved them out of the deep jungles is, A, to protect them, and B, uh, to get them to a place where they can find others to uh, have fellowship with. So uh, I moved them near a road, but near a jungle, too. I want them to continue to hunt and gather. And to make friends with the big Africans around them, we hire them to help build the houses, and we pay them to do it, and the pygmies join in. And so once they find out how wonderful the pygmies are, see, they they don't know what they're like because they're isolated. And they fall in love with the pygmies. So when I come back, they've got their arms around them and say, oh, my pygmies, and they just love them because they are so beautiful. And, of course, they find out that God loves them, too, because God gives the pygmies hundredfold harvest, while the big Africans, sometimes they get no harvest at all. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, so you got uh, some houses built. Tell us about that. We have beautiful little houses we built. We can build a house for around $350, and that will include a very nice iron roof, which is spectacular in the Congo. So we'll build those. A lot of people just have that thatched roof. So I've seen pictures of these houses, but try to describe what these houses you built for them look like. Well, they are wood siding with they're mudded in, and they have beautiful iron roofs on top and a lovely threshold, which means a little raised area and a door. So uh, they will actually cook inside there and uh, sleep inside there. So okay. it's, it's enough room for a whole family. And why is it important that they get houses? First, uh, the reason pygmies live in trees is because it's safer than on the ground. So they're getting away from predators and snakes. You would, too, if you lived in that dangerous jungle. But the house 
is very nice for them. They love that and they want that. And the reason is when we put the threshold and the door on there, the predators and the snakes can't get in. And so it's a way of protection, very necessary. So when we watched the movies about Tarzan when we were children, maybe a few of them are old enough to remember that, (laughs) and Tarzan lived in a treehouse in the jungle, there was a reason for living in a tree. Yes, it's safer up there. But uh, but if you have a house with a nice door, it's better because you can function. It's very hard to function with all your cooking needs and so forth in a tree. So a house makes sense, you know, and the pygmies desperately want those houses. They really do. Okay, so obviously we know there are snake predators. There's probably what? I don't know, lions, tigers. What are the predators? No, there? no, no, no tigers in, in Africa. Those are in India. But, yes, there's lions and uh all kinds of nasty snakes and uh, all kinds of interesting predators that are all over there. So that's why my team no longer stays in tents. And they, we, actually, we to, yeah, go they, ahead. And they actually have poisonous darts. Tell us there. Yeah, the pygmies use blow darts to hunt. And uh, I'm discouraging that now because they have to put poison on there. And the poison is in the animal now that they're going to eat. So I, I, we're trying to do away with that poison. They get it from a certain type of tree. And I don't want them to fish with it either, throw it in the water, because then it's in the fish. This is one of the reasons I think they don't live very long. And now, you know, we're, the, as we plant and harvest good food, they're living longer. Up to 40 now is the average of the, of the ones that plant and harvest. So the, 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 uh, the age will increase. They'll probably get to live to be 60 when we get all of this done. How many of these pygmies have you led to the Lord? Tell us about that. 75,000 and counting now. And uh, we have 20 villages. We, uh, we see a lot of miracles in those villages. And one of the great things is we draw the bloodline of Jesus all the way around each village and all the property, including where they plant and harvest, which will be a field next to them. And so they tell me that as they pray, play the proclaimer every night, the word of God around the campfire, and they pray in the bloodline, the snakes are leaving these horrible mambas which are deadly poison, are leaving the area. So it's having a profound effect. Also, the voodoos cannot get across that bloodline. They can run up to the bloodline, but they simply can't get their leg across that bloodline. And so uh, they can't get in there to to attack. Are the normal-sized Africans beginning to wonder about what's going on with these pygmies when all of these miracles are happening and their crops are growing? They're, they're very jealous, to tell you the truth, but because they begin to love the pygmies. Now, outsiders that travel to see the miracles of the hundredfold harvest, they're angry. But the ones that live around nearby, they're amazed, and they, they've already fallen in love with pygmies because uh, we've paid them to do the building. This is a strategy that we use. We buy all our stuff, like the the salt and the machetes and the clothes and the food and and the lamps and the mattress. Everything we buy, we buy from locals. We don't take it in from America because they put big, fat tariffs on everything. So we buy everything there, which blesses the locals, and then use them to help us build and, and all that. So they, we all, all make friends. Then they fall in love with the pygmies. 
Now, I'll tell you a miracle story about the harvest if you'd like to hear it. That's my next question. Yes, tell us about the miracle harvest. Well, one in particular, there was an Ebola outbreak in the Ebola region, which happens quite often. That's where it first broke out in 76. So it broke out, and I get a phone call, come, there's an epidemic. And so uh, we gathered everybody, and we went there. And I told my team, don't get out of your seat. Don't get out of the car. If they're just all dead on the ground, we'll go to the next village, because I have three villages there in the Ebola region. And so we got there, and they all ran to greet us. And I said, wait a minute, where's this epidemic? They said, oh, Dr. Bree, listen, uh, we had pygmies that came in after you left. They weren't saved, and they, they didn't know the Lord like us. And they ran back to the jungle trying to get us to go, and they said, we're going to all die. We've got to go back to the... So they ran to the jungle, and we stayed here behind the bloodline, and we're all alive. Not one of us died from Ebola <laughs> because we stayed and trusted God. Hallelujah. So I'm just rejoicing. Of course, now they had to sing and dance. That's big me. Then I said, now we're, we're declaring an end to the morning, and we're going to plant. And so we planted the crops, cleared the fields, planted the crops, and we left. Three months later, they called us. They said, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. (laughs) So they're (laughs) quoting the Bible, you know. And so we all rushed in. I'm telling you, never in my lifetime have I seen a harvest like this, a hundredfold harvest. So we had to build huts and put up tents to house it all. Now, when this was all done, some big Africans from a great distance, they didn't live locally, came stomping into the village. And my favorite little chief, he stood up to them, and they were clearly there to kill everybody and take the stuff. But he stood up to them with great courage, and everyone standing behind him. And he said, why have you come? They said, how come you got this big harvest and we got nothing? And he's shouting. And my favorite little chief said, well, listen, how many of you died in the epidemic? He said, we lost everybody. He said, look around you, we're all alive because we trusted Jesus Christ. And he (laughs) said, now how were your harvests this year? And they said, we didn't get a harvest this year, we're starving. He said, look around you, we have a hundredfold harvest. And he paused and shook his head up and down, he was nodding. And then he said, don't you want our God? And that precious little pygmy chief led all those mean, big Africans who hate them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Wow, that was a miracle. I think that the average Christian American is, I think in their heart, we are very, how do I say this, ashamed of ourselves because we love the Lord so much. And we so much want to share Jesus and get people accepting Jesus. But in America, we just can't seem to get people to receive Jesus. We invite them to church, and we've got to where we don't even invite them to church anymore because we know they're just not even going to come. And if they come, they come one time, and they don't come back. And I think we're ashamed of ourselves. I think our feelings are hurt, and we are just we just want to cry. Because Americans won't accept Jesus. And then you come on here and you tell us these stories about little bitty pygmies on the other side of the world in a deep, dark jungle. They're receiving Jesus. They're getting miracles, miracle harvests. They're leading people to the Lord. And we want to do the same thing. You know, we have to get rid of the religious spirits that said, oh, that all went out with the apostles as if there's no more apostles. And they have such doubt and unbelief, they don't believe anything. And we have to get 
all that, uh, we have to uh, cast that out. And we have to renounce our fear about our unbelief and our religious devils because I- I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm seeing miracles in America now. The glory cloud of God, I have photographs, actual proof. Glory cloud of God follows me all around the Congo. It, it followed me all around Israel one time. It's beginning to manifest here in America. Uh, and, and we, you know, we need the glory of God to be released here in America. Well, That's absolutely. Let's, let's talk about miracles in Nick's, Nick's broadcast right now. Tell them what dastardly, devilish thing has happened and how you need their help. I really, really need your help. Dear precious pygmies in the northeast of the Congo, I have four villages up there, had monsoon rains, and their villages were wiped out, and now they're just sitting around and laying around the campfire because they have no houses. That's bad, but what is worse is the local authorities are threatening us, saying if we don't get in there and start rebuilding immediately, they are going to take away our license to operate in that area and shut us down, which means the pygmies will have to go back to the jungle, and that means the rebels will kill and eat them, and the voodoos will come and destroy them because they hate the pygmies. Uh, so I need $26,850 yesterday. I mean, it's two weeks old, what I'm telling you, two and a half weeks old now, and they're threatening to shut us down. These pygmies are, the, are so precious, so wonderful. Uh, they have raised the dead. They pray for you. They're the first to step forward and say to me, we are praying for all the people in America who support us. And they do it every single day. These are among the most precious of all, the precious little pygmies. So I want people to get behind this and support the pygmy bride. Well, let me say something about that, because I was just saying, I think that the average American, their heart is just broken because they are not able to win people to Jesus in in America the, the way they'd like to. Well, brothers and sisters listening to this broadcast, this is your opportunity, because whether it's a pygmy soul or an American soul, before the Lord, it's going to count the same, meaning you can win souls by sowing into this ministry. Bree called me Friday, and she was devastated. I'll just—I'll tell you, she was almost in tears. I was afraid she was going to break in tears. And I did just, break down. You just couldn't just, see me by phone. Just, just at her wit's end because these little precious pygmies are about to be just ruined, and all of her last eight years of work just ruined. Well. You can win souls. You can sow into the kingdom. Now, look, when we give to someone to win a soul, that's really good. When we give to someone that cannot repay, I mean, they, they do not have the ability. If even if they wanted to, they couldn't repay you, then that's really a powerful blessing. In this case, you have the opportunity to do both, to win souls and to give to people that cannot help themselves, cannot pay you back. You want to be blessed. Right here is your opportunity. Now, let me understand. Just like we want miracles, they want miracles. We all want miracles. Well, a lot of times miracles start right here, right now with doing the right thing before God. I believe, and I'm going to pray for you. If you'll support, if we will, I'm talking about people that listen to Prophecy Club. Prophecy, and I know that, and see, that's another thing. 
how many ministries would come on and ask the people in their ministry to give to another ministry? Well, it's not about ministries. It's about the kingdom, brothers and sisters, okay? So I'm asking you, let's get this $26,850 to Bree. I know Bree. I know her family. I know her son. They stay in the home all, every time they come to the town. I know Bree. There is not a better place to give. You will know that your money goes for what she says it's to go to. As a matter of fact, Bree uh, can stretch a dollar into a dollar and a quarter, probably even a dollar fifty. In other words, it goes a long way. It will go to feed, clothe, build houses, but it's also going to go to winning souls. There might not be a better place for you to sow your gifts into the kingdom. When we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and we have to give an account for everything, even every down to idle word, we want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We want him to be able to point and say, look at all of your rewards, for great are your rewards in heaven. Here is a very, very good place. Now, you may be saying, yeah, but I don't have much money. Well, good. That's exactly the kind of gift will get you a lot of rewards have to understand, you don't make your money, God supplies it. You don't have a job unless God supplied it. You don't have a wife, you don't have a husband, you don't have children, you don't have a bank account. We, as look, we don't have, the Lord gave it all. Okay, so why not trust him? Why not trust him to really do a miracle, a financial miracle in your life? Now, Stan, are you suggesting that I don't make my house payment? Look, that's between you and the Lord, how much you want to believe him for. But I can tell you right here, this is a wonderful place to get blessed, and I'm asking you, we've been doing this radio program together for 25 years, I'm asking you, let's get the $26,850 to breathe through Prophecy Club listeners, and you watch the Prophecy Club listeners be blessed. And you know what? The Prophecy Club will be blessed, too. Main thing is, here, here's the thing. Giving is about other people. It's about the kingdom of God. And if we will see that Bree... If we will see that those pygmies, if we'll see the people that are helping the pygmies, if we see their needs taken care of, God will take care of our... I've seen it, brothers and sisters. Look, when we take care of somebody else, then he takes care of... Look, you got a wayward son or a wayward daughter, then you help another son or another daughter, and then God will send in people, harvesters, into your family to help what you can't touch. God fixes your problems when you fix someone else's problems. Look, I mean, I, I don't talk about this much, but uh, Bree, is this correct? Have you found what I just said to be accurate? Yes. Uh, be a par partaker in what God is doing in the most dangerous place on earth. It is a miracle that we're even alive to tell you this. It, it is just a very dangerous place. But yet God is showing himself mighty in this terrible place. He's releasing his glory there. Amen. All right, now, here's what you do. If you want to give to the Pygmies, then you give to Prophecy Club. Just let us know that this is for the Pygmies. Let us know this is going to the Pygmies. That's all you got to do is just write on the check, Pygmies, or call and say this goes for the Pygmies. We're going to see that Bree gets every penny of that gift, okay? Prophecy Club, and you can do that at prophecyclub.com. And you can also do that through uh, sending a check, or you can call us, 785-266-1112. I'll say again, 785-266-1112. Put it on a credit card, 785-266-1112. Bree, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me, Stan. 
Thank you for listening. God bless you all. Prayerfully consider supporting the Prophecy Club with your gifts of support. We would not be here without your prayers and generous financial support. Now from the Prophecy Club, some exciting opportunities for you. The Extreme Summer Blowout is now in effect. You can get 50 DVDs for $250, that's $5 each. 25 for 160, that's 640 each. 15 for 120, that's 8 bucks each. 10 for 100, obviously $10 each. 6 for 70, 4 for 50, and 2 for $30. You can go to prophecyclub.com. There's a list of all the DVDs there, or you can call us and ask for the summer catalog. Or download the catalog at prophecyclub.com. Flip through it, then decide which DVDs you want. That's 785-266-1112, and it expires soon. Call 785-266-1112 today. Some restrictions apply. We just launched WatchProphecyClub.com. You can now watch 160 Prophecy Club recordings and soon over 300 without interruption. Most people would agree 300 titles, normally $30 each. A gift of $100 a month would be reasonable. $50 a pretty good deal, but the introductory rate for a limited time is just $20 recurring monthly subscription. A one-year subscription is a gift of $200. There's no contract. You can cancel any time you want to, and you get the first three days free just to check it out. The best deal is a yearly subscription that will lock in your rate for a year even when we raise the rates. WatchProphecyClub.com. Go check it out. WatchProphecyClub.com.